A deal, a deal, my kingdom for a deal. Finally, ladies and gentlemen, we've got it. One Boris and another. Do 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 do. Welcome to the Exchange Invest Weekly. It was the best of times and the worst of times in M&A land. We finally got a deal, ladies and gentlemen, after lots of merger speculation, precisely none of which actually talked about the deal in question. The Börse Berlin, that august institution most recently run by Jörg Waller and Arthur Fischer, who are both now going to be in the process of retiring their posts. Well, indeed, Arthur was going to be retiring anyway. The Börse Berlin is being taken over in a curious deal, Tradegate, with which it's always had a certain degree of relationship, which is owned 75% by the Deutsche Börse itself. So therefore, Deutsche Börse, which owns Tradegate, is ultimately acquiring the Berlin Stock Exchange, a venue in recent years of all manner of interesting high-speed trading and other platform-driven marketplace operations. Good luck to all parties concerned, particularly the incoming erstwhile Tradegate CEO who's going to run the Börse Berlin, Oliver Shabris. Of course, in other news, there was another deal that was being much discussed this week. In fact, we started the week with lots of people saying Hong Kong will sweeten the deal for the London Stock Exchange. Well, it wasn't to be. Tuesday morning came and news reached us from Hong Kong that Hong Kong had decided for various reasons to withdraw from going hostile. Is it the end of the hostile merger? Who knows? Certainly it was an interesting and fascinating deal while it lasted. And indeed, it may yet rise again. Of course, The Telegraph, in its role as continuity London Stock Exchange advocate in chief, interviewed Stephen Schwartzman at the weekend, which was quite interesting. He was certainly very aggressively defending the Blackstone side of the refinitive deal. And it looks as if, well, at least if nothing else, come November, maybe December, there's going to be a vote on the LSE refinitive. Shareholders seem to be increasingly restive, though, as concerns rise. Just how capable is the London Stock Exchange of integrating the unintegratable? The good folks of formerly Reuters, formerly Thomson, formerly Thomson Reuters, formerly Refinitive, none of whose management teams managed to get together with the behemoth and actually managed to run it as a modern digital configuration wonder what's going to happen in the future. It's going to be very, very interesting, certainly. Hong Kong have dropped their bid. They can't rebid for another six months. I can't help but feel, though, that the London Stock Exchange, if it actually acquires Refinitiv, is going to end up looking a little bit like the Graf Spee during the Battle of the River Plate in September 1939. As you may recall, the Graf Spee was hit by a series of other smaller British cruisers at that point in the South Atlantic. It suffered some remarkable damage, to some degree through ill luck. It crawled into the harbour of Montevideo, where it was promptly informed it could only stay for 72 hours under the rules of the Uruguayan state being neutral. Thus, actually, when it was given the choice, the Graf Spee was stricken. It couldn't effectively defend itself, and indeed, ultimately, it was scuttled by the captain. Now, no one's going to suggest that the LSE is going to scuttle itself, but I do feel with all of the interesting things that are coming ahead, particularly the likely reconciliation in some grand Vienna settlement fashion of the business of Euroclear, that we're going to see a huge number of opportunities that the LSE are going to be missing because they're all going to be below decks in the engine rooms trying very hard to seal the leaks that are going to be coming from the difficulties of taking 5,000 LSE staff, integrating them into nearer 20,000 Thomson Reuters, I do, sorry, refinitive staff. And ultimately, I think that's going to be a recipe for chaos. 
Hong Kong exchanges ultimately got their act together. They did a great deal of work. They've certainly put themselves on the map in a much, much bigger way. Ultimately, the future outlook for the Hong Kong exchange is fascinating. They have huge opportunity, huge optionality ahead. Who knows, perhaps they can be involved in the ultimate carving out of Euroclear in a form of grand bargain. Certainly, Hong Kong exchanges have done a great deal to raise their profile. And now we know there is a predator on the block. And there's a predator on the block that does not necessarily need to seek antitrust protection for a lot of the deals that it could potentially do. Of course, during the course of the week, the usual incompetent media quarters all told us that we should await bids from the Intercontinental Exchange and others. And as ever, nothing happened. Plus a change in many ways in the M&A landscape. Sanctimonious and rather arrogant articles coming out of London suggesting that the LSE is impossible to take over may yet prove to be folly. Look forward. I hope the Graf Spee analogy doesn't turn out to be true, but I'm very, very worried. The LSE is not capable of integrating Refinitiv under its current management. There's only one daily news source for the business of bourses, Exchange Invest, the exchange of information. Exchange Invest publishes the daily digest of everything in the market structure industry around the world in a user-friendly email briefing format from Monday to Friday. With additional pith by former Exchange CEO and long-standing fintech pioneer Patrick L. Young, yes, that's me, Exchange Invest is the unique one-stop shop for the daily news in markets, market operators and related functions. Exchange Invest is available to subscribers at 200 US dollars per user per year or currency equivalent. You can get more details at exchangeinvest.com or email me patrick at derivativesvision.com. Elsewhere in results and deals, demutualization of the stock exchange was high on the list in Sri Lanka during the course of this week. There were also interesting discussions from the former Nasdaq CEO, Bob Greifeld. He was warning that the recent IPOs in the USA, those IPOs with an unclear path to profits, and of course we can think of none other than particularly WeWork, dramatically pooled in recent weeks, those IPOs or those potential IPOs remind Bob Greifeld of the tech bubble. In other words of wisdom, Bob Greifelt noted there's a hidden cost to free stock market trading. Absolutely true, of course, we've been discussing it before in this podcast, but good to at least hear an elder statesman, as he now is, of the Bourse Parish, Bob, coming together and giving his sensible outlook on these sorts of things. Michael Spencer, he's placing a bet on the future of the tote. That's the cumulative betting system that allows everybody to put their money into a pool and then the winner reaps the rewards for horse races across Britain. Michael's going to be a minority owner in a new deal that's trying to move that forward. And indeed, PDS. PDS are moving forward in the Philippines. They're the Philippine dealing system because it looks as if finally they're going to actually find themselves being taken over. As you'll remember, this has been a long running telenovela out of Manila. Well, for years now, it's been apparent that the Philippine Stock Exchange were trying to take it over, but ultimately they have not succeeded by the look of it. Land Bank are close to resting control of the bond exchange. Thanks for listening to Exchange Invest Weekly. We welcome your feedback. You can contact me directly, patrick at derivativesvision.com with any comments. Meanwhile, if you enjoyed this show, we would welcome you giving us a thumbs up. Or, if you have time, a positive review will always be welcome, wherever you find this podcast. Brexit, Brexit, Brexit. Nothing much to report, really. There was no deal, absolutely no deal. Nobody was ever going to speak to anybody again. We're all off in a huffy strop to our bedrooms, and we're never, ever going to speak to anybody. That was about Tuesday. 
By the time we reached Thursday, curiously enough, in a wedding venue where somebody called Colleen Rooney, the tabloids tell us, had her 21st birthday party. I think she's the wife of a footballer, but I'm sorry, Exchange Invest doesn't actually know anything about soccer. Anyway, there was a meeting there between uh, Leo Varadkar. Hopefully he enjoyed the tinselly location that the Prime Minister of Britain had chosen to meet in the north of England. And they discussed Brexit, at which point in time they said there was a glimmer of hope, there was a possibility, there was an opportunity. Nobody actually waved hands around, but had pieces of paper that said, here we have peace in our time. But you get the sort of gist. It's the usual Farago. It's going to be one of these free-for-alls where we're going to go to some sort of late-night conference next week. And while Mr Juncker is trying to enjoy his 734th glass of port or possibly another glass of excellent Bordeaux, they're going to try and stitch together some sort of a deal. Stitch is the operative word because, frankly, the basis upon which they're working at the moment is a stitch-up for Britain. And I think it's still quite plausible we could end up with no deal. However, it does look slightly more likely that there's going to be some sort of an attempt at making a deal during the course of the week, because certainly British politics, or at least the British Parliament, is in some degree of a fray where the Parliament seems to be very, very eager to go against the will of the people. So, what's that one coming out? One of the things that's interesting is that in Germany and France, they want a massive markets push. Why they couldn't have had a massive markets push years ago, of course, is anybody's question. But it seems that the hapless CMU, a great idea, Capital Markets Union, but once again, like most things, when they see the light of day in the European Union bureaucracy, nobody can actually manage to execute it. Capital Markets Union, after five years of de facto stasis, is now going to be replaced by something called the rebranded Savings and Sustainable Investment Union, SSIU. Hmm, not sure I really like that acronym. CMU seemed a lot more catchy. But apparently it's going to put markets at the centre of the European Union, just like the European Union has summarily failed to do for the past 30 years. What are we going to get? Another 5,000 pages, I suspect, of really, really rubbish legislation. It'll probably be called MIFID 3, and it can only be building upon the absolute drivel, which was MIFID 2. Tragic, of course, because MIFID 1 itself was actually a very, very logical deal. The problem, of course, for all of this is, and and given the fact that there's a huge amount of protectionism going on from within the European Union at the moment to try and effectively do as much damage as possible to the London Financial Centre, is that in truth, London has emerged with its head held high. Despite all of the Brexit uncertainty, UK growth is actually 0.3% in GDP terms this week, so the UK is avoiding recession, despite the fact that most of the media are crowing about the risks of Brexit, and we're still crowing about the risks of a no-deal Brexit, whereas in fact WTO rules will provide the UK with an elegant platform for growth in the near future, despite there being obviously some kerfuffles in the short term. However, What undermines the whole European Union position is one very simple story that emerged this week. It transpires that Airbus, you know Airbus, they make aircraft and they make them across Europe. And they're a huge political football and the French government and the German government and the Italian government and all other parties all have a bit of a shareholding interest and they try to manipulate what goes on in a fashion which, well, say if the Chinese Communist Party do that, of course that's completely unfair, but the European Union seems to get away with day in, day out. Anyway, Airbus, they make great airlines at the end of the day. They have decided to set up an interesting new derivatives exchange, which is going to try and help airlines hedge away revenue risks. Fabulous idea, I say. Free markets. It's wonderful. It's incredible. Here's the rub. Where have they set the company up? The United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland. Where is the exchange going to be based? Apparently in London. Hashtag despite Brexit, when a hugely political European entity such as Airbus actually realises that the free markets in London are free, then that says a great deal about why the SSIU has a mountain to climb, whether it's called that or whether it's the CMU. Ultimately, Europe has huge problems.
In other problems, I couldn't help but notice this week actually was well, somewhat sickly ironic. A German bank robber pleaded for mitigation after a 20-hour court ramble. He was actually cut short in the end by a judge who presumably had woken up to discover this man still raving in his court. And actually, one of the reasons that this bank robber tried to justify his raids was because, well, you know, why shouldn't he try and steal from financial institutions? Because given the Cumex scandal, the bankers are certainly trying to steal from we the people. Actually quite difficult to argue with that logic in certain senses. Speaking of prison, ladies and gentlemen, two partners from an audit firm, they audited the books of NSEL, that hapless exchange which collapsed in financial crisis, what, five, six years ago in India. They've been arrested and actually they're in jail. Rather embarrassing news for the EY associate. In People News, the former securities regulator Li Xu got a very light punishment after a probe into graft. He admitted all the charges, and ultimately he's got away with, well, paying various fines, a few slaps on the wrists, a bit of a demotion, but no life imprisonment for him. It's very interesting to see that he's managed to get away so lightly per se. Euronext also announced this week their new three-year plan for growth. It'll be interesting to see where that goes. Lots of focus, of course, on, amongst other things, data and indeed also private markets. I suppose that ties in with the SSIU, if the European Union can ever get that going. DLT Malta is the book of the blockchain island, consisting of thoughts from leading local advocates and practitioners of the crypto economy, led by the Prime Minister, the Honourable Joseph Muscat MP. DLT Malta is edited by myself, Patrick L. Young, and Joseph Anthony DeBono. The book can be obtained from all leading bookstores worldwide. If you want to understand Bitcoin, blockchain, cryptocurrency, and the broader impact of the distributed ledger, this book is packed with insights and information about the potential for the technology. DLT Malta, Thoughts from the Blockchain Island, is published by DV Books on behalf of the industry association Blockchain Malta, in bookstores now. And actually, ladies and gentlemen, I've got to share something with you. Right now, outside this door, there is a taxi. It's waiting to take me to a thing called the Amdina Grand Prix. There's a slight problem there because, well, it's a bit of a conflict of interest, but I'm afraid I am the brand ambassador and the commentator for the Amdina Grand Prix. If you go to Motors MT's website on Facebook over the course of the weekend, you will be able to hear me commentating live on the racing. But I'm afraid at this juncture, that is going to be a very brief review of the weekend markets, the Exchange Invest Weekly from me, Patrick L. Young, because now I must away, put on my motor racing cap, put on my motor racing tie, and prepare myself to commentate about two days of wonderful historic motor racing. This is me, Patrick L. Young. Thanking you very much for listening to the Exchange Invest Weekly. We'll be back Monday with the Exchange Invest Daily Newsletter. If you're not a subscriber, only $200 a year keeps you on the inside track. Thanks for listening. Have a great week in markets. This show relates to the business of bourses. It is not to be construed as investment advice, nor are we making any investment recommendations. Please consult an investment advisor before you make any investments, and for goodness sake, do your due diligence and do not make investments without complying with the regulations in your home state. Exchange Invest cannot be held responsible for any investment decisions made as a result of our programme, which is for entertainment purposes only. The material herein is copyright Patrick L. Young at the date of publication, while our music and sound effects are sourced from copyright-free sources. Thanks for listening to Exchange Invest Weekly, the exchange of information.